Thank you, God, our Father. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws them to me. Thank you, God, our Father, for sending your only begotten Son to pay the full ransom for our lives. We are grateful for this Lord Jesus Christ. And in this alone, we are complete. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We give you all the glory. We welcome you in this place, Holy Spirit. More and more, you have your way in this place. Speak to their hearts. Comfort them. And deliver them in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Worship you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that our bodies now are the temple of the living God. Amen. Okay, thank you all. You may be seated. Amen. Thanks to the worship. That was beautiful. Just a round of applause for them, please. It's coming together now, thank God. Amen. So just a quick announcement before we get started. Um, This Sunday, there'll be no church. Um, The Wednesday coming, um, Tony will be bringing the word. Praise the Lord. So prepare your hearts for this. And we will continue. So this Sunday, make sure you don't come or call me or message me. (laughs) How are we all today? We're good? Amen. I have a lot to share today. Can I have that sword? So some people are in trouble today. The Bible says if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. No, I'm only joking. Okay. So this is not mine, so don't make any thoughts in your mind. So how have you been enjoying um, the topic of envy? Uh, Such a massive topic. We agree? For the ones who disagree. (laughs) It's been a massive topic. So much feedback on people, unfortunately, um, uh, going through this. And it's very common. You know, the most important thing is seeing it first. And you begin begin to see how subtle it is, how it hides, yes? You begin to see the different motives, the different desires, and how it attacks and how it destroys the believer. And you can see that envy was the main issue beginning with Satan falling from heaven and all the stories in the Bible. You can see the main issue was envy and how today it's hiding in the body of Christ. 
competitive spirit. Wow. You know, I thank God for showing me these things. Because as the glory continues to fall upon us and God begins to slowly, slowly invite us into carrying his anointing, you begin to see that it's best you hear this before you move into any place of promotion to operate in God. You begin to see how, how you have to rid yourself from this before you begin to walk in the authority of the Holy Spirit. We agree? Amen. So I have a few um, testimonies. And um, I wasn't going to share it, but I said I will share it. Pretty powerful. It's regarding my children. So probably for the, probably for the last year, I include this in my prayer. Lord, how can I teach my children to hear your voice at a young age? For all the people that have parents here, this is important for you. And I said to the Lord, because my daughter Mariah, she's 11 years old, I'm out praying in the Spirit pretty much every day, spending that time with God. And now my heart's beginning to wanting the Holy Spirit to talk to my children. You know when the Holy Spirit talks to your children? They're safe. Yes, you can plant seeds. Yes, you can lead them in Christ. But there's nothing greater than them hearing the Holy Spirit. We agree? So I asked the Holy Spirit to give me wisdom. And I want to share this because a lot of people can relate to this. But I want to tell you what the Holy Spirit said for me to do. Which was so odd. So odd what the Holy Spirit asked me to do. So in the morning, um, as you know, I do the, I do the school run. <laughs> so I prepare their lunch, and when and when that's not to have a go, at my wife. She, <laughs> if she disagrees, <laughs> so <laughs> so. So I was I wanna hear, I wanna tell you what the Holy Spirit said to me because it was amazing. And I was preparing the lunch and in there's four bags and in one of the bags there was a bit of extra sweets in there. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Call your daughter Mariah first and tell her to pack her lunch. And I said, Okay. I'm half asleep. And I'm fasting and I'm not in the mood for anything. <laughs> And the Holy Spirit said, tell your daughter Mariah to come and pack her lunch and to choose from the bags. And there's only one with an extra portion of chocolate in there. There were chocolate um, scones from Woody's. And I watched her. The Holy Spirit said, watch carefully. And he was going to do something that I can't understand. And he said, call her to pack her lunch only. Don't call the rest of them. And my daughter Mariah went to the table. She went to pack her lunch. And she stood there looking at all the bags. And she saw the one with the most. And she grabbed it. She put it in her bag. And, and the Holy Spirit said to me, 
ask her, before she carried the bag, what did she hear in her heart? And I said, Mariah, what did you hear in your heart before you picked that bag? I know that's the one with the most sweets, but what did you hear? She said, I heard a voice telling me that I should leave her for the rest of my sisters. And I said, that's the voice of God. And it was interesting how God allowed me for her to connect with the Holy Spirit. And she just had a Holy Spirit moment in that moment. She just had a, like something went on in her mind. And she said, I understand. She got to locate God's voice. Isn't that amazing? And she said, the first voice I heard was to leave that for my sisters. And I said, that's the Holy Spirit. And I said, thank you, Jesus. The greatest thing that I can have for my children, yes, to walk in our footsteps and even greater, but that them to locate God's voice, especially in this reckless, rebellious world that we live in. Yes? Amazing. Another, another testimony. Now this, this will shock you. As I tell you the testimony, word by word, I tell you. I'm not meant to promise in any way, but word by word in how I tell you the testimony is how it happened. So every morning, we, my wife started this with the kids because she used to take them to school. She, she trains them to pray every morning together in the four-wheel drive. As she takes them to school, each one says their own prayers. So my wife done that with the children and built an amazing foundation in this way for the children. And she started to share other things also. So I carried that for what she was doing. I carried it in the car every morning. Mariah, you start with the prayer from the eldest to the youngest. So Sunday, <clears throat> my petrol tank in the Yaris was on. So you got empty. So when it's at empty, it beeps slowly. When it starts to beep fast, that ready, the car is ready to cut out. So you got no bars. You got one bar beeping slowly, one little bar beeping slowly, and then you got the bar that's beeping so fast that means the car is ready to cut out. And I was stressed in my heart, thinking this car's going to cut out, and I'm late to school for the kids. And and I'm thinking this in my heart. And then I said it out loud. I said, man, I need to pull over to a server to get fuel. So it came to Rihanna's turn to pray, word by word. It came to Rihanna's turn to pray. And she said, Lord Jesus, if there's one thing that I ask you today, I pray that this car lasts us on the way to school and it doesn't cut out petrol. She said, amen. And the petrol tank went two bars up. Word by word, they were screaming and jumping in the car. And, the, and, the, and, and I'm meditating on this and freaking out because you got a slow bar, then you got a fast bar. The fast bar, maybe two, three Ks max, you'll ask me. Sunday it ran out. And that was Rihanna's prayer. She said, Amen. The thing went two bars up in that moment. And you know what the Holy Spirit said to me? 
they said, this is how she begins to know me, and this is her testimony now with me and her. It's unbelievable. There's nothing greater than having a testimony of how God's touched your life or God answered your prayer. And the Holy Spirit said, in a way, this is for her. So she can know that when she prays, I hear her. And I'd just like to share that with you because this is so dear to my heart. Everything I live for now in Christ, yes, for my wife and for my children and for whatever God does outside. But God allowed me to see how he touches every single person differently. And guess what happens if you have an encounter with God? It's, it's the way that you think you know, but the Holy Spirit works differently. Can you understand this now? <laughs> Amazing. And the Holy Spirit touched Mariah a different way. The Holy Spirit touched Rihanna a different way. Let God be God. Sometimes as a parent, I speak on my behalf. You know, I can think, okay, this is what I've got to do for my children. This is how I've got to train them. What You know what you do? Out of fear, you quench the Spirit of God from working in your family. And this is something that I had to let go, me and my wife, to trust God for my children. Yes, you do your duties. Yes, you, yes, you prepare them for life in Christ. You prepare them for the world. But no fear has to be in this place. Because as soon as fear comes, then there's control. Be careful. You watch them, the enemy comes in this place. And this is, can be for your own life also. So God is teaching me how to raise a family by teaching me that the Holy Spirit is the one who rules the house. Amen. Literally, when I saw the tank, they were freaking out in the car. I've, never, I've heard one testimony of a man preaching in New Zealand and he didn't fill up his car the whole way through New Zealand. And he said to the man, Wigglesworth, he said to the man, he said to the man, don't tell anyone they were driving with no petrol. And then he pulled over to one petrol station and he said, you know, we haven't filled up petrol this whole time. And the car, the car cut out and the Wigglesworth said, the man of God said to the man, did you say anything? He goes, yeah. And you know what? Said something to flesh. Boast. Look what God's doing. But it's just interest, interesting how the Lord communicated with my daughter Mariah, then communicated with Rihanna. Mariah received like this, Rihanna received through prayer. It's interesting. That's her testimony that will never be taken away for her between her and God. No one can stand on someone else's testimony. No one can stand on my testimony. Tony's, readers, my sister, Janet. No one can stand. You can get encouraged, but that should move you forward to have your own encounter with God. And it was so interesting because at this age now, my children, they're moving to high school next year. And you think, you know, have I done enough? Have I prepared them enough? And... The Holy Spirit's waiting. Let me come inside. Let me train them the way I can 
get to them. It's powerful. Anyways, I hope that blessed you. Because it was an eye-opener for me. Amazing. So you're wondering why I have this sword. Thanks, Eamon. It's Eamon. He's the, he's the, he's the corporate. He's the one. He, he used this sword to cut his wedding cake. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. He's Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Brave <up. sighs> uh, So how many people got impacted from envy? Yeah. Let's read some points again, just to reflect a bit. I encourage you in the love of Christ, to go back and listen to every single message of envy. The reason why so many people are not receiving from God, it's a major factor, really. So how to overcome envy? Let's reflect from last week. <clears throat> Fix your eyes on God and not on others or yourself. Fix your eyes on God alone and not gifts or blessings, or they will become an idol of envy. That was very powerful. Recognize God's grace in your life and get out of that entitlement mentality from what you're entitled from God. I shared an amazing testimony about someone who unfortunately fell in his trap, which we all can. Meaning that when you serve God, you do things for God, you give, you preach the gospel, you minister, you offer all your life to God, you can enter into a place out of envy that, you're, that God owes you something. Be grateful for what you do have and what God has given you. Amazing. Recognize, uh, rejoice when God blesses others. Try to see other people's needs and bless them. I link, the, I link these two up with praying for people or praying for other people in the secret place to get blessed by God. That's how you strip envy from your heart when your focus is on others rather than yourself. Don't turn the thing you need or desire from God into an idol. Now that was so big because let's say you need healing or deliverance or restoration from God. You can put in your mind that until I receive these things, I'm not going to move any more forward in God. Until I get healed, I'm not going to surrender my life entirely to God. That means you've turned healing or a thing that you need from God into an idol. And that's trapped so many believers today where they're so fixated on healing rather than cultivating the seed of faith, destroying the works of the flesh, and then the blessing comes. When you're fixated on what God needs to do in your life, you forget about the process of spiritual growth. So when I suffered from depression and anxiety, suicide, my main focus was to get to know God. And layer upon layer, layer upon layer, my restoration and my deliverance and my healing took place. 
Amen. I was fixated on Christ alone. Don't turn the thing you need or desire from God into an idol. That's why so many people are disappointed. Because they haven't received the things from God. Which you really made up in prayer. Not even given by God. And I don't want to get into this, but yeah, it's too much. I spoke to a pastor in India. And for, I don't know how many years it was. I can't remember, but it was easy over 17 years, I think. I said to her, would you like me to pray for you about something? She goes, yeah, I think 17 years the Lord told me that he's going to do this through my life and he hasn't done it. And that was an idol that she held on to for all those years that God hasn't moved in her life. She didn't let it go. And it became a stronghold of disappointment and unfulfillment where she got trapped in moving forward in the things of Christ. Yes. Imagine God gave you a word. This is something that I want to say. Imagine God gave you a word today that God's going to use you to minister the gospel or God's going to use you to operate powerfully in the Holy Spirit. You have to understand that the seed needs time. Tony spoke about the seed. It needs time to cultivate, to be watered, to be, to be exercised. It's a process. I learned one thing, to keep my eyes fixated on Christ and to enjoy the journey and to keep my heart in the right attitude. You can never be trapped in this place. You can never fall victim to this place. If you're fixated on Christ, all you're focusing on is cleansing your heart, purifying your soul, renewing your mind. Everything flows out of this place. So many people have fallen victim to envy, which leads to so many things. James tells you, it's, it leads to every evil thing is there. Don't turn the thing you need or desire from God into an idol. That's why so many people have left their journey of Christ. They prayed for something and it didn't come. Who told you to operate in this direction? Who told you to treat God like this? When you come to Christ, you have to surrender your entire self to God. Because he's the savior of the world. Full stop. Nothing needs to be said other than that. You were bought at a price. He paid the ultimate price for your soul. When you surrender, he wants everything. Okay. Find your identity in Christ and not in what you do or who you are as an instrument of God regarding your gifting. So your identity is in Christ, yeah? He paid the ultimate price by his blood. Your restoration is in that alone. Imagine you draw your strength from how much you do for Christ. Or imagine you draw your, your strength in how God uses you. Then, then when, when God is not using you, you feel unsettled. You feel like, Things in your heart is not at peace, not at rest. 
So your identity is in Christ alone. Before you operate any gifting, before you preach the gospel, before you do anything in this life, you're in right standing because of Christ Jesus. And that shows, that shows me that so many people are suffering from their identity issues with Christ because it's based on what they do rather than based on what they have received from God the Father, His Son. Okay. So if you don't find your identity in Christ, unfortunately, envy is right around the corner. Just reflecting. I don't want to go too much in this. I'll leave that part out. So have you ever heard about Solomon's wisdom? How he was the greatest man to receive the greatest wisdom in the Old Testament? Yes? You've heard all about that story? Today I'll show you the treasure. Because it's a picture of envy and love. It's, it's amazing. So we go to 1 Kings chapter 3. Starting from verse 6 in the Amplified. I'm reading from the Amplified. <clears throat> so we got on the... Can everyone see that? Yeah, from starting from verse 6. Yeah, so it's on the bottom. Okay, I'll carry the sword. Don't, don't get scared. So, can everyone see that? Yes or no? Okay. So, starting from Solomon's prayer. Then Solomon said, <clears throat> You have shown your servant David, my father, great loving kindness, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and with uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept him from this great loving kindness. Oh, sorry. You have kept for him this great loving kindness. In that you have given him a son to sit on his throne. Now, that's a massive statement there. The eye-opener. Okay. In that you have given him a son to sit on his throne. So Solomon now is sitting in that place. Yes? Okay. As it is today, so now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant in place of David my father. And as for me, I am but a little boy in wisdom and experience. I do not know how to go out or come in, that is, how to conduct business as a king. Now, you remember Jesus Christ as a little boy? He grew in stature. You, you begin, some people might get it. But you remember Jesus Christ as a little boy? He grew in stature and wisdom. Yes, you remember that as a little boy? Yeah, he just came out of the temple. Now, this is an amazing picture of someone so special. 
I do not know how to go out or come in. That is how to conduct business as a king. Your servant is among your people whom you have chosen, a great people who are too many to be numbered or counted. So give your servant an understanding mind and a hearing heart with which to judge your people so that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge and rule this great people of yours? Now, can we go back there? Now, he's asking God a question. Yes? He's not answering something. He's asking him a question. Okay? Capture that in your heart. Next one, please. Now, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself a long life, nor for wealth, nor for the lives of your enemies, but have asked for yourself an understanding to recognize justice, behold, I have done as you asked. I have given you a wise and discerning heart, mind, so that none, no one before you was your equal, nor shall anyone equal to you or rise after you. I have also given you what you have not asked, both wealth and honor, so that there will, be no, that there will not be anyone equal to you among the kings. Now, isn't that a massive statement there about seeking the kingdom of God and everything else will be added? Isn't that a massive statement there of what you should not be asking for? The mature have both discerned to recognize or discern both good and evil. Now, isn't this a, isn't this a wake-up call that our prayer life is not in the way of the Spirit? God speaking. God speaking to Solomon. Now, I have, <laughs> I have also given you what you have not asked, both wealth and honor so that there will not be anyone equal to you among you, the kings, for all your days. If you walk in my ways, keep my statutes and my commandments, as your father David did, then I will lengthen your days. Now, isn't it interesting also another picture of what gives you long life? I'm just putting it out there. Then Solomon awoke, and he realized that it was a dream. He came back to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And he offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, and he prepared a feast for all his servants. Now, go back there, please. Go back there. What, what's that picture of? Let's see if someone's alert. Anyone? What's this a picture of? No. <laughs> what's this a picture of? What's that? Who, who said Last Supper? Good. Good. This is a picture of the Last Supper. Yes? Now look at the pattern. In the Holy Spirit, let me see this when I was studying about envy. And I was amazed. Then Solomon awoke and he realized that it was a dream. He came back to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, the Ark of the Covenant, Jesus Christ. He offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, and he prepared a feast for all his servants. 
this is my body now, you eat from me. Okay, next one. Now, this is the key. Now, two women who were prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. And the one woman said, Oh, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. And I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. And on the third day... <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, Jesus in everything. <laughs> and on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth. And we were alone together. No one else was with us in the house, just we two. Now this woman's sons died during the night because she laid on him and smothered him. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from his place. Beside me, while your maidservant was asleep and laid him on her bosom and laid her dead son on my bosom. When I got up in the morning to nurse my son, behold, he was dead. But when I examined him carefully in the morning, behold, he was not my son, the one whom I had born. Then the other woman said, No, for my son is the one who is living and your son is the dead one. But the first woman said, No, for your son is the dead one. And my son is the living one. This is how they were speaking before the king. Now, there's many treasures in that way, but I'm not going there now. Because that's a sermon in its or six-week message in itself. Then the king said, this woman says, this is my son, the one who is alive, and your son is the dead one. And the other woman says, no, for your son is the dead one, and my son is the one who is alive. Then the king said, bring me a sword. This is why I have a sword. Bring me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king. Then the king said, cut the living child in two and give half to the, to the one woman and half to the other. Now there's multiple pictures here about the flesh and the spirit. Hebrews 4.12, when the word of God comes, he cuts the soul to the spirit. There's multiple pictures here of Christ and the battle between the flesh and the spirit, the battle between love and envy. Then the woman whose child was the living one spoke to the king. She was deep, uh, sorry. Then the king said, cut the living child in two, give half to the one woman and half to the other. Then the woman whose child was the living one spoke to the king. For she was deeply moved over her son. O Lord, give her the child and by no means kill him. This is a picture of her, of God the Father sending his son to an evil world to die. Can you see it? This is a picture of God the Father deeply moved to give up her son for an evil and an envious world. Give her the living child and by no means kill him. And she's saying this before the king. So she's speaking in the presence of God, pretty much from the Old Testament. And this is a picture that he did not die. He rose from the dead. This is a picture of his resurrection also. 
But the other said, he shall be neither mine nor yours. Cut him. It's a picture of Satan. It's a picture of Satan. And Jesus gave the title to the Pharisees. You, you don't go there, and you also prevent others from going there. And he ridiculed them and hammered them because their hearts were, Satan, were of Satan. So this is a picture. But the other said, he shall be neither mine nor yours. Cut him. This is a picture of Satan, a picture of envy. The other picture is a picture of love. A life giver, a life killer. You begin to see? God shows you what's a life giver, the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. What's a life killer? Satan, envy. Kills you. Because that's how it operates. That's how it actually operates. He shall be neither mine nor yours cut him. I don't want, envy tells you, I don't want him to get it. I'm, I can't get it, but I'm going to stop him also. That's what it does in your heart. Can you see? Then the king said, give the first woman who is pleading for his life, the living child, and by no means kill him. She is his mother. When all the people of Israel heard about this judgment, which the king had made, they were in awe and reverently feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was within him to administer justice. Now let's read the New Testament. I just have to share this because you start to see how Jesus spoke. He's in the old, he's in the new. Look. Have a look. We go to Luke chapter 11, verse 27 to 31. Now look, look how Jesus, you think, why would he even put that there? A woman saying, blessed is the one who nursed you. Why would he even put that there? Why would he even add that into his story? Look here. And, it's, and, and then he speaks about Solomon's verse in the next verse. The greatest wisdom Solomon saw was God the Father giving up his son for an evil world. It's unbelievable. And it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. Remember the two children? Keep going. But he said more then that blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. The sword that he lifted, I don't belong to flesh anymore, I belong to the spirit. You see the picture? He got the knife and he said, no more I belong to the flesh, more in the spirit now, which is the word of God. And while the crowds were thickly gathered together, he began to say, this is an evil generation. Remember, he gave, he, gave, he gave himself to that evil lady. He gave himself from that story. He, she was willing out of love to give up her son. Look, and while the crowds were thickly gathered together, he began to say, this is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, 
and no signs will be given except the sign of Jonah, the prophet. Next one, please. For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. The third day. Remember the third day? That story? Next one. The Queen of the South will rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. So you see the greatest wisdom that Solomon received. Who is able to judge your people? Jesus Christ. So if Jesus Christ is given to us to judge us, then how we are meant to operate. How are we meant to operate? You know how we are meant to operate? We are only meant to operate in what he says over our life. Satan knows this. Satan knows that if you operate in the word of God, that him and the Father, God the Father and his Son, will come and dine inside of you. Satan knows this. So Satan starts to grab a hold of your eyes and begin to allow you to see out of this, unfortunately, the spirit of envy. And so many people are operating, unfortunately, in this way, looking in the wrong spirit and not seeing Christ manifest in their life. So let's have a look. Today I am preaching how to overcome envy. So let's reflect a bit. Let me give you a little picture of Satan, what he does. Because it's important that you hear this. So let's go back to the scripture. But the other said, he shall be neither mine or yours. Cut him. Remember what he said to Job, flesh for flesh? Yeah, this is how he operates. Now let's have a look at this. This is a shocking statement of truth and falsehood. Truth demands entireness, meaning love is deeply moved to offer all yourself, which Jesus Christ did from the story of Solomon. God who made the heart will have all or none. All your life or none. This is, this is something you have to understand. The fence... The people that are on the fence. Who controls the fence? And who does the fence belong to in the book of Revelation? Satan. You need to hear this. Where Jesus says, I'm going to spit you out and all that stuff. I don't want to read that now. But the fence belongs to Satan. All who are sitting on the fence according to the will of God in their life, or not entirely given all their life to God, they're sitting on the fence which belongs to Satan. You need to hear this. Because when you come to Christ, you must give your entire self to him. If you don't, the fence belongs to Satan. That's your decision. And think about it like this. How can I even be sitting on the fence how am I even operating to be at the fence? Envy. Envy is the major factor that allows you to stay on the fence which belongs to Satan. Because envy, the greatest statement on, en on envy began in the story of Adam and Eve. 
that God is withholding something good from me. If Satan can make you believe that God's withholding something good from you, you will not give your entire self to him. Are you listening? So for a person not to give himself entirely to God, he's fallen into the bait of the devil, which he's made you believe that God's withholding something good for you, then you begin to explore out of envy in, in your own strength. Are you understanding this? So here, truth demands entireness, your whole self for God, no matter what the outcome is. No matter what the outcome. Amen, I'm allowed to do this with the sword? You don't? Yeah, it's okay? I don't want to get in trouble. Dean was like, you ripped all my carpet. So truth demands your entire self to God. But the trap is what the enemy has done from the story, from when he got casted down to heaven, when he made the angels rebel against God. Everything is summed up that God is withholding something good from you. God hasn't given you everything that you deserve. So what you do out of envy, you begin to withhold your whole entire life from God. You understand that? And this is how so many people fall into the trap. Now look what it says here. God who made the heart will have all or none. Now this is your decision. Satan who has no right to the heart is content with a piece of it. <laughs> Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about this, but I'm not going to go too deep. Satan, who has no right to the heart, is content with a piece of it as long as it is dead from God. Satan will settle to coexist with you and the Holy Spirit. That's his aim. And I'll give you an example. So many are suffering in this area. Satan will settle to coexist with you and the Holy Spirit. That's his aim. Put it this way. Here are some examples of what the devil wants for your life. Satan wants a piece of you. You believe in God, but you're still doubting in God. You believe in God, you still live in fear. You believe in God, you still feel insecure. This is how Satan has a piece of you. Are we understanding? Yeah. So many of the body of Christ suffering in this way. Every person can tick this box in this room. Look, I'll show you. This is how Satan gets a piece of you. He gets your true worship. Look. Satan wants a piece of you and does not mind if he has to share the place of you and the Holy Spirit inside. God will not have that. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons on the same table. God wants all your heart. You find me when you seek me with all your heart. God, God says, love your God with all your heart, your soul, and your flesh, or your mind. God wants everything. Satan's interested in just a piece of you. You believe in God, yet you doubt. 
You believe in God, yet you live in fear. You believe in God, yet you feel insecure. You believe in God, yet you feel led astray. You believe in God, yet you fail in life generally with your life with God and your physical life. You believe in God, yet you feel condemned. You believe in God, yet you feel like you're trapped. You believe in God and you feel weary, tired and burdened. That's how Satan gets a piece of you. Can you see? He's happy as long as it's dead from God. Defense. You begin to see of what falsehood is. Second Corinthians chapter eleven verse two. So God wants all of you. The the um, scriptures for that is I'm not going to read them. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen and Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Satan is Satan wants a piece of you. God wants your entire self. That story there of Solomon is so many deep spiritual meanings. So look here, it says, for I'm jealous for you. That word there is envy. So God created envy, but for God himself. Satan uses it to his own advantage. So God is envying over you. Why? Because he created you. You belong to him. You be everything in you belongs to God. Why would you let an intruder and a robber come and destroy your life? Why? You're created by God perfect in the image of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why would you let a robber and intruder come and steal your true identity? For I am envious for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. You begin to see the destruction that the enemy has done today, especially in God's saints. Can I have another one? James 4, 4. Remember, Satan will have a piece of you as long as it's dead. Dead from God. That's his main task and main goal. He says, you adulteresses, you adulterers, adulteresses, know you not friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Satan's interested in having components and compartments in your life that's dead from God. God wants your whole being. You know, when I understood that, I started to look, I have a deep look inside of my heart. If I'm actually truly walking with Christ, really, this is for every person here, I started to really look inside. Am I this person? 
I get one chance at it. And my dispersion. The greatest, the greatest way I can cooperate with God is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. But when I started to see that Satan's greatest desire is to have a piece of me, I started to look at all these doors. And yes, God does offer you a way out. That's the good news, which I'm going to talk about now. Satan will settle to coexist with you and the Holy Spirit. Satan, who has no right to the heart, is content with a piece of it as long as it's dead. Okay. Let's continue from that scripture. The king said, Give the first woman who is pleading for his life the living child, and by no means kill him, for she is his mother. When all the people of Israel heard about the judgment which the king had made, they were in awe and reverently feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was within him to administer justice. Now here, from Satan, you can get two main keys. Two main keys. You begin to see the picture of Satan and his main attribute of character through envy to cut. Two main, two main keys of envy will do anything to destroy life, the life giver. Job chapter 5, Job chapter 5 verse 2, very quickly. Resentment kills a fool and envy slays the simple. Okay? Would do anything to destroy life. What do you mean by that? Would do anything to have something of you as long as it's dead, away from life in the spirit. Are we getting this? Okay. Would do anything out of envy to prevent those around them from receiving it also. Now let's look at Jesus Christ. You begin to see the picture of Jesus Christ in the, in the story of Solomon. His main attribute, character, is love. Would do anything and everything out of love to protect his children. Now you see the story of Solomon, yeah? What was the main objective for the lady to do, which is a picture of God the Father for his son? What was the main objective? To protect her child. It's a picture of Jesus protecting us. Are we understanding? Okay. His main objective was to sacrifice his own self. Love is a life giver. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 to 7. Now this gets deep. And then I'll preach about the way out. Okay? Now look what he starts. Look at the two, look at the two oppositions. Yes? You remember? Satan, envy, Jesus Christ, love. Yes? From the story of Solomon to the story of all the biblical examples from the old to the new, look at it. It's right in your face. Everyone reads this at the weddings. Sounds beautiful, but unfortunately they don't know what it actually means. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 to 7 in the Amplified. Love endures with patience and serenity. You start to see envy in the Old Testament. It was always birthed out of anger and it murdered. 
Yes? All the stories in the Old Testament, envy birthed anger, which murdered. You can murder today, what Jesus says, in your heart. Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful and is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. Now this is a wake-up call for myself first. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. Now look what jealousy and look what it pretty much envious produces. It does not brag. It's not proud or arrogant. It is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It is not provoked, nor overly oversensitive and easily angered. It does not take into account a wrong endured. Now, it's a beautiful picture in the book of um, Proverbs. It says that the greatest wisdom of God is to overlook an offense. Let's say someone wronged me or someone hurt me. The greatest wisdom is to say, you know, Christ died for him and he's forgiven him. It's best that I just forgive him and move on. Okay. It does not rejoice at injustice but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. Love bears all things regardless of what comes. Believes all things looking for the best in each one. Hopes all things remain steadfast during difficult times. Now you begin to see if the love of God is present in your life. Do you break when you face difficult times? Do you stop believing? Do you stop seeking Him? Do you stop worshipping Him? Do you withdraw yourself? That's how you know you're lovers of yourself. That's how you know you're a false believer. Whether you like to hear it, I speak the truth. That's how you know you're a false believer. Fake, fake. Is when difficult times come and you withdraw yourself. You know that you are coming to God for all the benefits and all the blessings. I got to know more of myself in the difficult times. I got to see what was really inside from the difficult times. And the Bible says when you face challenges and difficulties, rejoice. You know why? Because you're becoming a son. You're becoming a true son. Because a son, what does he undergo? True discipline. I didn't know it's going to be like this. I didn't know God's going to discipline me like this. But it was worth it. It was worth it, truly. Looking for the best in each one, hopes all things remaining steadfast during difficult times. That's the true love of God. Now you can see now, you begin to see the true and the fake. Luke chapter 8, the faulty seeds, they heard the word of joy, said and came and stole it from their hearts. When pressures 
challenges, stress comes, the word got choked and they become ineffective. You see the true and the fake. I'm walking with Christ no matter the outcome. He is my God. He is my Savior. No matter the outcome, my life now is in His hands. I can no longer dictate how my life is going to go now. Are you willing to let go in this way? Wow, I have so many plans. I want to enjoy my life, but who said you're not going to enjoy your life in Christ? I have so many ambitions. I have so many things that I would like to um, conquer in this life. You, you end up fighting yourself because your life belongs to your master. Not to you anymore. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your life. So many people, they hold on to their life. You hold on to your life, you lose it. You lose it for my name's sake, you find it. You begin to see. What does envy do? The same trick that Satan done from throughout the whole thing. God will not allow me to enjoy my life in the fullest. I better, I better, you know, have a plan outside of God. <laughs> I better have a plan outside of God. It's peace, Joe. It's peace, Johan. Now, I share this treasure with you, and I wasn't going to go there. Yeah, we'll go there. So the God of envy in the Old Testament, he's the God of Nahor. It's the same God. I just want to just open your eyes a little bit. Let's have a look. He's the God of Laban. Now Laban is the one who most powerfully operated in envy. His, his, um, his God was the God of Nahor. Now he is the God of envy. And which, what was interesting is his title, the God of Nahor. The God of Nahor means to pierce you. That's what it means. Now, there are different ways that Satan attacks you, but this God, he pieces you. Yes? We all agree with that? I'll show you anyways later. But that God of envy, his method to crush people is to pierce you. Okay? There's a scripture in the New Testament that talks about piercing. Does anyone know it? Let's see if someone can get it. It's from the... There's, a, there's one scripture that speaks about piercing you. That's the God of envy. That's the God of Nahor. That's one way how he dismantles the believer, but he uses the method of piercing. Now, Satan has different methods. God's been showing it to me. He has different methods of a, of a lion, of a serpent. He comes like a roaring lion. Intimidation. He comes like a serpent trickery in your mind, he comes with piercing. 
Now he uses one method, the God of envy, and it has to he associates with one thing. Does anyone have the scripture? Microphone someone? I'll work the crowd for this. So the God of envy, the God of envy, his main focus is to pierce you with something. Come on. No. That's an arrow. Talking about a sword. He pierces you with something. So the God of envy uses the main, most important tool that allows people to fall. It's actually unbelievable. Love for money? Yeah, read the scripture. It's good. I wasn't going to go there, but I said... I've got it from 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 11. Yeah, read the whole thing so they can understand right. it. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain for we now brought... Now, stop. Envy will never be content. Now, you begin to see that the God of Nahor, the God of Laban, his method was to pierce you. So the only way he can pierce you is when you're not content in Christ alone. Okay? Now, this is what follows. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can, can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Now stop. Let's say you're not content with them. You fall into the enemy's line where he pieces you. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Oh. That's the God of Nahor. He's the God of envy. So the way that envy takes you out in the greatest way, he makes you chase money. <laughs> I'll show you the references. But I wasn't going to go there. But I just wanted to give you a picture that the roots, the roots of envy stemmed from one of the generations of one of the fathers in the Old Testament. And he's, he is the God of Nahor. Now Laban was operating in, the, in, a, in a spirit of witchcraft. And for when Laban was operating out of a spirit of witchcraft, the main, the main objective and the main root was envy. But his name actually means to peace you. And the only piecing in the New Testament is money. Satan has all different methods. But the way he gets you with envy, it's associated with money. Are we understanding? Okay. Now one day I'll share it, for, share it to you and break it down, how the Lord actually showed me. But it's so intense. Envy is associated with not being content. When you're not content, what follows? Love of money, unfortunately. Are we, are we, everyone's ready to leave. <laughs> People saying, stop this. <laughs> uh, 
the Bible says you were called to freedom, but don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. We are so free that Paul even said, my own heart doesn't judge me. That's how free he was in Christ. But that doesn't make him innocent. He will later on be brought into account. But that's how much grace we have in Christ. And so many people unfortunately have used it to indulge in the flesh, to feed their lack of contentment. Who is content in Christ alone? Oh, massive statement. Let's say we're working towards that place. Let's just begin there. So, so what, what do the people do? Lord Jesus, bless me, Lord. Bless me. No, Lord. I pray for contentment. Lord, I pray for contentment. Then things start getting taken away from you. No, Lord, Lord, keep them. They, they make me feel safe and secure. You see? <laughs> Lord, but that's something that's fed my, uh, uh, that's something that's fed me. And allowed me to feel secure in this area. But you prayed, let me be content. Okay, how to overcome envy. Let's quickly, you just want to look at this or we'll say before. How to overcome envy. Next session. Oh, Chris, Chris, got, Chris got convicted today. <laughs> <laughs> um. Save for next session. All right. <laughs> How, to, how does one overcome envy? Listen, if anyone needs to go, you're free to go. But... Okay, I'll give the first example. I won't go through all of them. The first example, how to overcome envy. What do you think it is? So can I have the microphone, please? This, is, um, this, this, this section will change your life and how to deal with these things. The first key... How does one overcome envy? What's the first key? Come on. What's that? So, uh, so one at a time. Yeah, but yeah, but. So how does one overcome envy? Um, 
So love, secret place. What's that, sorry? Total surrender. Renew your mind. Fasting, prayer and fasting. Purify your heart. Consistency. Pray about it. Bit close. You're a bit close. Pray from that. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> so, the first, so, the, so the first key, the first key is to acknowledge it. The first key is to acknowledge that you have envy in your heart. How can you overcome something you can't see? This is the major issue that we have today. So people struggle to see envy. They can't acknowledge that there is envy. And you know what that tells me? Is that they lack so much truth. Let's go 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm only joking, brother. Let's see. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10 to 14 in the Amplified Version. Okay. Here. This is an example from the Old Testament that Paul is given. He says, and do not murmur in unwarranted discontent. Now, this is, he's showing you now that this is, why people got destroyed in the Old Testament. That they weren't content. Now for someone not to be content, envy is present. Whether you see it or not, envy is present. And do not murmur in unwarranted discontent as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example and warning to us. They were written for our instructions to admonish and equip us upon whom the ends of the ages have come. You're coming to the end of your life. Jesus is going to come to judge the living and the dead. Are you, are you listening? We're coming to the end. Whether you take it to heart or you don't, we are coming to the end. Let's be wise. Let's make the right decisions, not out of fear, but out of truth. They were written for instructions to admonish and to equip us upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let the one who thinks he stands firm, immune to temptation, being overconfident and self-righteous, take care that he does not fall into sin and condemnation. Now, look at this here. This is a major picture so you can see. What allows you to fall into sin and to condemnation? What was the main objective? Not being content is what allowed them to go search outside of God's plan. Can you see it? The major factor that allows you to live for the world and to thrive to make a place in this world is you not being content in God. If you don't see it, then you will continuously be outside in the world. 
And remember what Satan, Satan is, inter Satan is interested in a part of you as long as it's dead. Being overconfident and self-righteous, take care that he does not fall into sin and condemnation. Now this is the word, this is the eternal word from God. This is going to happen. No temptation now, this is the way out. And it's, praise the Lord Jesus. No temptation, regardless of its source, has overtaken or enticed you that is not common to human experience, nor is any temptation unusual or beyond human resistance, but God is faithful to his word. He is compassionate and trustworthy, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist. But along with the temptation, he has in the past and is now, will always provide the way out as well. So that you will be able to endure it without yielding and will overcome temptation with joy. Therefore, my beloved, run, keep far, far away from any sort of idolatry. And that includes loving anything more than God. You see what Satan does? He allows you to love something more than God. How? When you believe in your heart that God doesn't have the best plan for you. Or participating in anything that leads us to sin and enslaves the soul. What Daniel read. Now, here it's showing us here that we have a Savior now that took on the body of flesh and went through all that we went through and did not sin. He can reason with us and he can help us. But what do you need to do? What do you need to do? Acknowledge and take responsibility that there is envy operating in your life or other things. Take responsibility. What, is the, what Satan's greatest desire is for you to conceal it and hide it in your heart. Satan knows that if you come to Christ, Satan knows that if you come to Christ and bring it into the light, what happens? Yeah, no longer can the enemy enslave you in darkness because you've brought it to the light and there, there is something there waiting for you that I'm going to read. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 12 to 14, and I'll close off with this. I'll leave the rest to another day. Now look what it says here. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, the first step of dealing with envy is to see it and acknowledge it. Now, this is a major issue. So many people can't see envy is because they haven't seen the truth yet. So many people don't fill themselves up with praying in the Holy Spirit, meditating on God's Word. Because the first encounter you have with the Word of God is where? The Word of God, where does the first encounter you have with God? The Word of God tests the condition of your heart. Hebrews 4.12 
The first encounter you have with God's word is the condition of your heart. You don't read to preach. You read to change. And this is why so many people don't even get to a place where they can discern in the Holy Spirit to see the characteristics or the fruits of envy. And so many people unable to fight it because they think it's part of their nature. And so many people are still enslaved to envy is because they haven't fed themselves with truth. They haven't sit in the secret place like Mary said. They haven't sat and uh, consumed God more and more to see the difference between good and evil. So this is the first key where so many people struggle. They acknowledge to see envy is because they, because they lack the truth. So this is something that I'm going to close up today. I'm going to close up with it. There's many other keys. But the first key to dealing with envy is to acknowledge that you have it. And how can you acknowledge if you have envy if you haven't sat with God's word to see what is right and wrong? So, so many people read the word of God to quote a scripture. So many read the word of God to feel good about themselves. When you read the word of God to become the truth, like Christ is, then you can see right from wrong then you can begin to discern. And that's the word of God. It's so important that you understand this. So the more that I ate the word of God, because the first encounter you have with God's word is to test and to expose and to examine the condition of your heart, I read the word of God to change. So when I read the word of God to change, I was able to discern what is truth and what is not from God. And it's very clear in the Bible when you read it. So God bless you all. And we will continue the following Wednesday. So praise God. Thank you for coming. And I know, and I know we're going to begin to grow more and more because we are after the truth. You hunger for righteousness' sake, You'll be fed. God is after truth in your heart. Satan is after a piece of you. It doesn't matter how he gets it as long as it's dead. Isn't that a major picture of Solomon? Amazing, yeah? So bless you all. Begin to reflect. Begin to reflect from today. Am I able to, dis am I able to see it? Have I acknowledged it in my life? Or am I blaming people? Am I always sh shunning the light from me? Have I taken responsibility that, it, that I operate like this? This is the first key. So keep this in your hearts. Cultivate the seed. And get ready for this Wednesday when Tony brings the word of God. Amen? Okay, let's pray. Let's pray. So this prayer is going to be based on my teaching. Oh, sorry, the Holy Spirit's teaching. Thank you, Jesus. Open your hearts. If you are wholeheartedly wanting to get close to God,
and you want to give your entire self to God, in your heart, in your heart, begin to ask Him and to open your heart. God is interested in your whole self, your entire self. So open your heart. Open your heart. Just you and the Lord. It's not about repeating after me. It's not about a special prayer. More importantly, it's about you seeing it. I have a saying that when you can see something that is not of God, you've already entered into a place of a victory because that's when the war begins. So let's pray together as a family. Father, in Jesus' name, we enter your throne room of grace to receive help, mercy, and grace in time of need. Today, I sprinkle the blood of Jesus over my conscience, and I declare and I give permission to the Holy Spirit to begin to work in my heart and expose the spirit of envy, the fruits, and the characteristics. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray in faith that I can love you out of a pure heart. I ask this in faith that you, that you do this work in me. Thank you. Thank you for your blood, Lord Jesus. Thank you that it's because of your blood we can receive this. Thank you for your blood, Lord Jesus Christ, that you, you came into the world to destroy all the works of the devil. And Lord Jesus, I pray, you said when two or more agree on something on earth, it shall be done in heaven. And I pray, Father, I believe the greatest thing that moves you is that our hearts become like your son. And I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that envy is, is purged from our hearts so that we can walk with you in full harmony and peace. Thank you, Lord, that we are in right standing today because of the blood of your Son. We confess the blood of Jesus over our whole being, and we declare that we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your Son that you love. Today we step in this place spiritually and we begin with the process. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming. And I was joking with all of you before. Bless you.